in your hearts enthrone him. There let him subdue. Your passions and ambitions let him subdue. All that is not holy, all that is not true, let him subdue. Cry him as your captain. In temptations are, let his will enfold you. In his light and power, because this Lord Jesus shall return again with his Father's glory, with his angel train, for all rest of empire, meet upon his brow, and our hearts confess him, King of glory now. Father, let our lives be living sacrifices, lived as true evidences of those who have encountered you, ready for encounters with you day by day. Moment by moment, for your visitation, for your use, prepared for every good work, but eventually ready for your coming again. May we truly not only have all our wills be subdued, our passions, our ambitions, and pursuits, may everything that is not holy and not true in us, Lord, give way to a true life that is meet for repentance, honoring you and waiting, watching, and available for you. Minister to our hearts this morning, and through this year, in the name of Jesus we pray. And let everyone say Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to thank the Lord for another opportunity to share His word. We have since the beginning of the year, been talking about a people prepared, ready for the Lord. A people prepared, ready for the Lord. They are a people, but perhaps they have taken it for granted. They have just begun to assume that once they are for the Lord, they will willy-nilly just get all the blessings, visitations, encounters. But their lifestyle... And some of the things have made them unready for the Lord. And so God is telling us this year, just like we have begun to see and hear, I will open a book of remembrance. I will come again and again. I will visit. I want to be able to lift up the burdens that I have laid for years. I want to be able to show myself powerful in the presence of those who love me and who are called by my name. I will open a book of remembrance and there will be a demarcation between those who fear me and those who do not. Those who serve me and those who do not. And I will also pick up, remember my jewels as I come. And for the daily visitation of God, for him to bring to come to pass his promises upon our lives. And for us to be ready for his eventual coming. The Lord is saying this year, Prepare to meet your God. And may that be our ready answer that we are ready and prepared in the name of Jesus Christ. In Amos chapter 4 verse 12, we read, Therefore, thus will I do to you, O Israel. And because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God. You can put your name there, O Samuel, O Mabel. O John, O Chibuza, prepare to meet your God, personal this time. And in Matthew chapter 3, 
verses 1 through 3. The preparation that was made to meet with Jesus at the first encounter is the same preparation required to meet with God on a daily basis and to meet with him when he comes at last, just like our hymn had just said. Matthew chapter 3. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Eight, verse 8 Bring forth therefore fruits that show repentance Fruits, evidence of repented life And verse 13 Then cometh Jesus The moment that he had finished telling them to prepare Jesus came to encounter them And their state of preparedness Determine how much they also encountered Jesus and the blessings that came therefrom. And in Matthew chapter 24, the gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of your coming? And what shall be the sign of the end of the world? Verse 33. So likewise you, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. 42. Watch therefore, for you know not what are your Lord. Dot com. 44. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. And for now, Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. Remember therefore from where you are fallen out of the way. So, repent, prepare the way. Remember therefore from where you are fallen off the mark. Remember therefore from where you have fallen off your state of preparedness and repent. And when you repent, bring forth fruits that shows you have repented and be revived. Do the first works. Do the first works. Return to a state of watchfulness. Return to a state of fellowship and work with God. Do the first works, or else I will come unto you quickly. I will remove your candlestick out of his place, except you repent. So it's clear that the requirement to meet with the Lord, prepare to meet with God, is very obvious. It's very distinct. Clearly, repent. And as you repent, repent not just from unbelief. Repent not just from not accepting Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. 
Repent not just from the things that you have held that have blocked your walk with God. But repent from dead works. Even when you have encountered Jesus 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, last year, a few weeks ago. And then there are things that are dead works. They do not enhance your witness. They do not enhance your testimony. They do not clearly bring you who you are. They tell us, dress the way you want to be addressed. If you dress like a red light district lady, if you dress like from up to down, like somebody who is for sale, that is the way somebody will relate with you. That is the way somebody will encounter you. That is the level at which the person will deal with you. If you are also better dressed in quotes, so they say, corporate, then they say maybe there is something that you have that they can deal with. There was a time that they told us a few years ago, those who are coming out of school said in Lagos, everybody wants to be somebody so that you can enhance your uh, appearance and enhance your status. So, whether you have a car or not, whether your main means of transportation are your pairs of shoes, when you are walking, just put on a good apparel, especially for male, and keep uh, ringing your key around. Just keep rolling your key around. What does that tell people? My car is parked somewhere there, and I'm corporately dressed, as it were. That it may be a false identity. But in the spiritual balance in which you are talking, it says repent from anything that makes your identity as somebody who is prepared for the Lord, that would make a doubt on it. Repent from that walk. Repent from that lifestyle. Repent from that old way of life which you have dropped and you don't need to be ready. It will be too heavy for you. It will block your day-to-day -day meeting with God. It will also begin to punish your work with Him. It will make you start getting weary. It will make you delay your pace of fellowship with God. Repent from besetting sin. Repent from outright sinful living. Repent from them. And live a righteous life. Live lives that show forth in the crooked and perverse place where you live. Distinctly clear. People not want to be known by who they are now. And sometimes if they achieve Dr. Mrs. Susan, so they want you to call and recognize all of them. They tell you, I end it. I end it either by dint of hard work or I end it by give, donating a huge sum of money. Please give them all to me. And it's also like that in the church. If you haven't called prophetic evangelist apostle, he says, look, uh, you haven't recognized me. That is not the one we are saying. But if people now can brandish what they do, their trade, and publish it abroad, let your identity as somebody who has repented from all that defile and that keep God away from you. Also declare, there's nothing to be ashamed of by being a Christian and declaring where you are. At place of work, at place of study, in your environment, this is my identity. Repent. And live righteous lives, clearly righteous lives, irrespective of those around you. Because that's when you shine forth in the darkness, brightly, 
with their lifestyle contrasting to what they do and they say. And when you do so, be revived in a free flow fellowship with God. Be revived in your prayer life. Be revived in your efforts to know God the more. Don't sleep. Don't go to sleep. Don't just take things for granted. He says there's a need to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Don't just assume like John preached in Matthew chapter 3. We have Abraham as our father, so our place is secured in heaven. He said, no, there's an axe already placed by the tree. Every fruit and every tree that does not bring forth fruit that shows its nature of repentance and within, whether you've been born again 20 years, 30 years, or you have been part of the foundation of churches, he says that tree will be cut down. You will eventually not meet that the coming of the Lord. You may miss that prize that everyone learns from. So, let your light shine. Revive your fellowship and your work with God. And as you do so, reach out. Return to your first love. Return to the works that show forth and keep you busy. Occupy till I come. I have gone to receive a kingdom. I am returning. The last stanza of our hymn, Ancient and Modern 225, says, This same Jesus shall return again in power and in glory. I have gone to prepare a kingdom, and I'm coming back again. But before I come back, keep busy so that you don't slip into slumber. You don't slip into lethargy. You don't slip into just assuming everything is as it is. And all you need to do now is to start conforming to where you came out in the world. Instead of shining, let your life be kept on the alert, on the readiness. So, keep work for me. Reach out and touch other lives for myself. Reach out. So friends, if we can summarize the message of prepare to meet your God on a day-to-day basis. Or, because he's coming back again. Even if Jesus is not coming back this year, then prepare your life for a daily encounter and a walk with him that is much more active and that shows who you are without evidence of going back to where you are running from, without a shadow blocking your lifestyle. But Jesus has all the signs that he may come back this year. And if he does, and meet you, yet with a lifestyle, yet with assumptions, yet with things that do not glorify him. It would have been like a man who had labored all through, and just when they were near finishing at the race, he stumbled and fell. Near miss syndrome. And that is a very, very sad thing indeed. So let no one who has named the name of the Lord remain in a state where he is asleep. Where he's in lethargy. Where he's gone back to taking things as granted. Where 2017 has just replaced 2016. And will continue as usual. That's what Amos chapter 4 said. The cow's impression. The ladies of the house. The rich of the land. Just say look. Keep bringing the good things around. Keep bringing them. The materialistic things we are pursuing, the things that are present and needful here and now, momentary gain. Just bring them. Let's continue the way we are used to. Our religious activities, let's just show evidence we are doing them. 
And so, you come to Gilgal and multiply your transgressions. You go also to Bethel and multiply. Just play religion. Just come to church. Just put on a name that you answer a Christian once in a while in terms of what it takes to be a witness. Don't bother about that. Just play religion. Sacrifice here. Sacrifice there. Pay your tithe. And then also offer the sacrifices. Not even of unleavened bread. But leavened bread. Just do it as you like. Everything will be just fine. And God said, no, I have called on you again and again. I want to visit you for good. But because this lifestyle has remained the way it is, ordinary, low, cold, and nothing to differentiate it and show of me, I'm going to visit you in judgment. That was for Israel. But for us, may it be in blessing in the name of Jesus Christ. And so let's prepare. Prepare for day to day, moment by moment, daily encounter with the Lord. That's what he wants to do with us this year. You're not just a Christian because you gave your life to Christ some time ago, and that's all it ends. You don't have fellowship with your father. You don't have a daily encounter with him. You don't have things that make you, on each day, renew your anxiety and walk with him. If all you can remember and all that make place for you as a Christian is that you just gave your life to Christ some time ago and you are just hoping that as you reel out a list of prayer requests for 2017, God will answer them. No, you can live a better life than that. He said, prepare. I will encounter you. I want to visit with you. I want to have fellowship with you as I did with Adam and the Garden of Eden when things were still at their first love level. I want to be able to show forth my presence with you day and day again, time and time again. I want to let your life be a sweet-smelling fragrance, wherever it is. And that's on a constant basis. And for that, he says, prepare for this encounter. I won't announce when I'm coming with my answer. I won't announce when I'm coming to visit. But keep your life ready, free-flowing, without any obstruction. That way impede my coming. Prepare with a constant work and fellowship with me. And that's what God is asking us to do. If you can't prepare on a moment-to-moment basis, you cannot be ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he won't give any notice either. Even though the signs are all there. But we read clearly in the scripture that no man knows the exact time. I remember when we were in school, people touted, 1974, especially the Jehovah Witnesses, the world was coming to an end. And they had gone looking for one beautiful house after the other and said, this is where we will inherit because they believed they were not going anywhere. They will inherit the earth. And 1974 came and passed. And 1977, some others started it again. But more importantly, the years leading to 2000, teachers, even here in this city, thought the year, the world will end by the year 2000. I'm sure many of us heard that teaching. And many of us encountered them. And it was popular everywhere. People like Sunken Moon of the Unification Church told their members, do what? Sell all your properties, pay it into the church account, as it were. The world is coming to an end in the year, once the year 2000, January 1 breaks in. Prepare. And it all have proved to be a hoax. No one knows. 
the time and the hour. But your preparedness will keep you alert. And you will not be in any way lacking in the name of Jesus Christ. And so, as we prepare every day, that's what made Abraham to receive a lifelong cherished promise. Come to pass. In a moment, Abraham had lived a life of preparedness. And on that day, when the angels of the Lord came around for an assignment, but also ready for an encounter with him if he was prepared, unknown to him, he had passed on. But because he was alert, and because Abraham was not in drinking stupor, he wasn't maybe like the man who would say, look, and they argue about how much percentage of alcohol will make you tipsy, and how much you need to drink as a Christian and you don't need to, and they become professors of red wine, good for your heart and not. And so, Abraham wasn't drunken in the hot day sun. Abraham was alert. Abraham wasn't verbally abusing his household. Or, in other words, emotionally abusing them, or even physically abusing them. Because some men, though born again, and some here, still abuse their household, especially their wives, and use them as punching bags. Abraham hadn't just finished doing that. If he did that, he wouldn't know who had passed by and wouldn't be ready to receive a long sought for answer. Abraham was prepared. Abraham wasn't the one, a man who would say, when it's time to pray, if you like, pray, I'm coming along. And then he's still busy reading the newspapers. And many of the times never joins them. Abraham actually was a man of prayer, prepared in prayer. And he had a testimony, for I know him, that he will command his household. Abraham was prepared up to the hour, every moment. Abraham took the lead in his life. He didn't keep an account of ills and errors. I've counseled with someone who was partly part of this church for a while, some time ago, and he could quote the date, the hour, up to the minute that the wife said one thing or the other to him. He had a record. And some of them he would reel the phone and say, look at this, look at this one, send this. What kind of lifestyle is that? Bitterness. Having all stocked up. Abraham wasn't imprisoned, but continuously having a mental diary of everything this child has done, that one has done, this my wife has done, that person has done. No. If he was full of that, he would be too heavy to recognize when his hour of visitation had come. Abraham was prepared. And because he was prepared, a man of prayer, if you remember, the moment they told him we are going to Sodom and Gomorrah because their cry had come up. And we want to destroy. He didn't require five minutes or ten minutes to clear my cupboard, clear all the things that have gone on in my life, clear all the extra mistresses. There are people here who may still retain a woman somewhere else, a man somewhere else, who helps you with your finances, who helps you with one or that leisure or the other. Some even have a name, they call it now, friendship with benefits, friendship without strings apart, just friends for friendship. And then live immorally as it were. Abraham didn't have that kind of secret rendezvous. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to receive that blessing right at the moment. But we are talking of removing the cobwebs from your life. 
And Abraham was leaving a short account with God. And the moment that his visitation came, he was ready for it. And by the time that encounter ended, what was the pronouncement? According to the time of life, by this time next year, Sarah shall have a son. Answer given. Prayer answered. Divine pronouncement that came to pass. May it be so with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Prepare to meet your God. When Israel was to have an encounter with God, for him to realize how they must live as they walk through the wilderness, God told Moses in Exodus 19, verses 10 and 11, He said, go down. You people want to meet with me. You want to have fellowship with me. I'm not the God whom you just wake up anyhow. Wake up from the laps of Delilah. Wake up from anything you have been encountered in. And all of a sudden you remember I'm around. No. Go down. Prepare the people. Sanctify yourselves. Wash your clothes. Remove the blood. Remove the things that will make it distinct, indistinct for me to meet with you. Any dot, any blood, go down, set yourselves apart from pollution. Set yourselves apart from defilement. Be clean in spirits, in mind, in thought, and in body. Even the clothes as a symbol of cleanness, wash them. Wash them. In the environment where I meet with you, nothing defiled, nothing unclean, nothing unholy is allowed. God said, do that. When you have done that, on the third day, I will do what? I will visit with you. Be ready. That was a demand from God. And that demand hasn't changed on a day-to-day basis. So why do you not hear God? Why do you not have direction? Why do you not have clear, straight ways of walking? Why does it seem as if God is far and all you do is play religion? Come to church, do your quiet time, so to say. And yet there is a blockage. He said they are still dirty garment. Remove everything that makes you look like the others around. And prepare. I can visit you anytime. And I will also relate how you can walk with me this year and in eternity. May that be a portion in the name of Jesus. Prepare to meet with God on a day-to-day basis. Like the little lad Samuel. Samuel we are made to understand in 1 Samuel chapter 3. That he had lived with Eli. Whereas Eli had been a priest of long standing, 40 years priesthood, 98 years of age, he would have thought that he would have known all the ways and mannerisms in which God encountered people. The Bible says by then Eli had gone to bed and his eyes had grown dim. But God saw a young man whose heart was sincere, whose life was clean, and who was eager to have a walk with him. And God bypassed the old experienced Eli. In a moment that he wanted to reveal great secrets concerning Israel. Great secrets concerning the house of Eli himself. And what was an answer to their state in which they were. God didn't necessarily look for experience. He didn't look for age. He didn't look for those who have been used to doing it. He looked for clean life. He looked for sincerity. He looked for a life that had kept himself untainted. And Samuel was already living there when Eli's children, we are told, were full of greed. They would go and take the fish or the meat by themselves. They boycotted every of the customs and regulations in the house. They lay with people who came to worship in the temple. 
So he had been there, but he kept himself from their influence. So he didn't have an excuse. As a young man, it's peer pressure. He didn't have an excuse that that's what my hormones are telling me to do. He didn't have an excuse of messing around himself. He didn't have an excuse of saying, look, I can't control it. That's the way I was feeling. He didn't have an excuse of having sexual immorality already on, either to full strength of it, or various levels. He didn't have an excuse of having girlfriends in the guise of just being brothers and sisters, but every feeling and reaction they had was all immoral. He didn't have an excuse of having a sugar daddy, of having an uncle or an uncle who usually met your needs with a bargain thrown into it. He didn't have an excuse of cutting corners. Samuel was there and saw all going on, but his heart was ready, prepared, insulated from the things happening around. And was it any wonder that when God visited, he didn't look at all the titles, the names that have been around like Eli. In our day, Eli would have been an archbishop. Is that not so? Primate, prelate, general overseer, met multiple times over. A priest of 40 years, that would have been where his title would be. God downgraded him. And because he needed a heart that was ready, a life that was clean, a life that did not let itself with the burdens and weights around and excuse himself off. Samuel was the choice for God's meeting. In the morning, Eli had to beg small Samuel and say, young man, please tell me what God has told you. Can your life be prepared on a daily-to-daily basis? Young man, young woman, clean, clear, without excuses, that God can meet with. And the Bible told us, that from that moment onwards, the whole Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was prepared to be a prophet unto the Lord. And God never allowed any of his words to do what? Fall to the ground. So young men, young women, prepare, prepare. Leave up the excuses. There's nothing environment has done. We agree. Technology has brought a good, a lot of good to you. It has also brought in his baggage some bad with it. But it is you who already know you are God that will also put a limit. While many are in the throne of already being taken over, we read in that Amos chapter 4 that I overthrew some of you. I allowed some of your young men to be killed. Amos 4, 9, 10, 11. I allowed them to be killed. But those who know their God will remain strong and do what? Exploits. So you can't be caught in that. If Jesus has come into your life and there is a demarcation, somebody say, look, there are certain feelings I keep having and I have more feelings towards the opposite sex. Yes, when you have those feelings, what do you do with them? You search the scripture, you receive counsel and say, what is this? And those of you who do biology will know it's a transitional period of your life. You are not a goat. You are not a rat. You are not a dog that once you have feelings, you just exhibit them. No. When you feel hungry, don't you have feelings of hunger? Sure you do. But when you have feelings of hunger, you look for food. Is that not so? And when you see food, you legitimately eat food. Do you just see anything edible and steal it? You see it on the road, you pick up. 
You see somebody carrying bread on the head, you snatch one. You see it by the side, you pick it. You enter the room and somebody's food is set, you just make away with it. Do you steal to satisfy your hunger? No. You take food legitimately that is given you. That's the way you also realize where you are. And while every other person who has no witness of Jesus in themselves is living like an animal, and the Bible says they are all creatures, but you, you have become a people of God. That's how First Timothy 2, 9, 10 says it. You have become a chosen generation. You have become a member of the royal priesthood. And he says, no, you ought not to live that way. So you receive counsel and find that the spirit, the hormones, and the feelings of any child of God is subject to you and to what the scripture says. And you keep yourself busy in preparedness. The more you suffuse yourself with the word of God and go to prayer and to pray, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will turn your energy from useless and from wasteful and immoral activities to that which brings a lot of glory to God. And that's a lot of excitement to live for. So, somewhere I had that experience because it was ready on a day-to-day basis. May our young people have the same encounter excitingly with the Lord in the name of Jesus Christ. We remember Zechariah and Elizabeth. Old. The Bible told us in Luke 1 verse 6 and through to verse 11 that they were old and stricken in age, advanced in age so to say. They had waited patiently for the blessing of the Lord in child bearing and it hadn't come all along and they had not used that as an excuse to seek seven seas, seven mountains, seven oils, seven candles, seven lamps and some of us do that. I know there are people who had come sometime and said they want to be prayed for so that they will go to a certain synagogue in Lagos. Say, do you know what that synagogue does? They haven't gone from one alpha to the other. They haven't pledged allegiance to one out of the other. They haven't asked people to go and make inquiries for them while they remain. Money answered all things. And they still maintained a cloak of Christianity in the morning. No, they didn't do that. They hadn't also abandoned their faith. They hadn't said, look, God has been long in coming. God has been long in waiting. The Bible told us they remained blameless. They remained in a state of watchfulness. In verse 11, 10, 9, 10, 11 of Luke chapter 1, the Bible said, while they were praying, where they were in a state of watchfulness, where they were still faithfully serving the Lord, not charging him wrongly, the answer came. Praise the Lord. Their visitation came. Their moment of encounter came. And God gave them the blessing that was far above multiple blessings. A son what many sons. Who was the harbinger of our Lord Jesus Christ? So friend, prepare like Zechariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth didn't charge God foolishly. Elizabeth wasn't full of foul language. Elizabeth wasn't full of bitterness and unforgiveness. As many of us may be wont to have, you have a record of what A did to you. Family B did to you. C did to you. That's not a life that is ready to receive God's encounter. He says those things keep him away. They are like an order. 
And somebody has made a distinction that the things that God wants to see from our lives, the things that are worthy of repentance, the fruits, they are like sweet-smelling fragrance, incense, including our prayers. But the negative ones are like what? Another. The scripture has a description of all of them. They drive him away. They are an abomination. He looks and he is over. So, friend, what are the things that have happened in your life? What have you done with your mouth? Many of us, mothers, a number of us, others who are not mothers, have said so many foul things with our mouth. If you haven't gossiped, you have kept malice, you have pronounced that child dead on arrival, useless, stupid, they are not amounting to any good thing. Is that a life and a mouth that is ready for God's visitation to an issue you've been praying about? With your life and mouth, you've already cancelled whatever encounter the Lord wanted to have on your behalf. Repent from those ones. Elizabeth never did that. We never even heard anything about Elizabeth. Except when Mary came to her and she said, The Lord, my Lord, has visited me. How come the mother of my Lord has come here? Humble, remaining there, diligently waiting and watching. And the promise of God's encounter was theirs. May that be you this time in the name of Jesus Christ. Elizabeth didn't draw her standard. Elizabeth didn't lower her guard. Elizabeth didn't say, look, if God has been long in coming, my time is waiting. And time doesn't wait for any woman, talk less of a woman. And she has gone beyond menopause, of course. Elizabeth wasn't the young girl who said, look, you know time doesn't wait for young ladies. You know their time clock. I don't know who told you time clock. There's biological clock, I know. The time clock of a woman. Who was it different from the other? There's an age where if you don't marry, then your own is gone. And then you lower your standard. And lower your guide, any man who smiles at you, you are ready to throw yourself at him. Your standard goes down, you are ready to become a foreigner to members of your household because of your, how you appear now. And like I said before, when you want to lower your standard and paint from head to toe and wear skimpy dresses, even our elderly mothers now wear so. We are not saying you shouldn't wear trending clothes. The way you are following fashion, because that's the way they say it is. Are you really different from the others around? What message are you saying around to them? Can you truly tell somebody beside you, Jesus is coming again, repent? What will he say of you? So there was no time for lowering standard to attracting customers in court who will ask me, are you available or are you unavailable? Eh? So it wasn't that way. But many of us have bought into that. And you have fallen from your first level of work with the Lord and you have dropped your guard. Repent from them. And wait God's encounter. He will visit you. And when he does, it will be a great testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. What about Simeon? Advanced in age. Finished his work. Ministry done. You might say, oh, that's great. And he has done a successful ministry. You can say, look, Simeon, well accomplished. But no, not with the Lord finished yet. He said, even though I'm retired, so to say, I still have an active relationship with God. What did he say? He had a burden. He had a vision. He had a spiritual vision. He understood his place in God's time. And said, God, let not your servant die until I have seen the Lord anointed. And the Bible said he had a vision that sustained him. Those of us, men, and every other person, particularly those retired, has your zeal, has your level of work with God dropped? Are you just now looking for where to make jokes? 
be in clubs, visit here and there, and then remember what this person has done and the other person has not done, and become an irritant because you relatively have little to do. You don't get engaged in the things that make you now a blessing. Your words can be cherished and golden. You have become bitterness incorporated. You remember every other thing people are not doing for you. And you remember, oh, your strength is not as it used to be. I can't run as fast as it would have. I don't think as much as I would have. My memory is failing me now. Why are you in that state? Simeon had a living beyond the momentary. Are you just living whether you are working or retired for the momentary, for the gain that you have that will come your way? You're only relevant for your ambition, what you can achieve here and now, while I'm still working, and that's all. And you don't find where you are in God's program that can take you beyond when you have achieved them. Let me ask you, some of the things you have looked forward to achieving, when you eventually achieve them, what next? I told you my experience when I became a professor. I looked up and down and I said, what is there now? Many of you who had desired and read night and day to become consultant, you became a consultant. You lunged for a position, long sought after, medical director, CEO. When you reached there, what next? You wanted to build a house in the village, build in the halfway, build in town. When you built them, what next? Your main desire was to get married. Once I get married, yes, that is where things are. You got married, what next? If your hope and your plan are only for the earthly, for the momentary, for what you can see, touch, feel again, then it's limited. They are not able to give you long-lasting what? Satisfaction. A man's life, Luke 12, 15, does not consist in what? The abundance of things he possesses, he sees, he can touch, he can reckon with, not even the bank account. Your ambition may be someone. You know, time there was when million was like a big head. When somebody calls million, your head will swear. Now, million doesn't mean anything. Billion seems to be running out of place too. Trillion is where they seem to be telling us now. And we are hearing about what? Zillion. When you made that first million, what next? Because they do not satisfy. They are not guaranteed to be what keeps you going. But it is the eternal, it is the spiritual, it is that which keeps you going and keeps you relevant and keeps your life ready. And no wonder when you reach those levels, appointments, you graduate, you get your BSc, you get your MBBS, then you suddenly just relax and suddenly feel, I have achieved. And because there's no goal, no motivation to go forward, you suddenly fall out of way with God. And you may start allowing things that were not there before. Simeon said, Lord, I am not going anywhere, no matter how old I am, until I have seen the Lord anointed. And he remained relevant in the spirit. And he wasn't just acting by what he saw, what his body told him. He kept being in tune with the spirit of God. Until the moment that Jesus entered the temple. What did the Bible tell us? He was led by the Holy Spirit into the temple at the same moment that Jesus came to be dedicated. What a glorious life achievement. And what did he say thereafter? Lord, let your servant depart in peace hereafter. My eyes have seen the Lord anointed. 
and what you have prepared for all generations. Friends, does your relationship with God, do the things in that with God in terms of the Spirit keep you burning on a day-to-day basis? Or are they just the things you touch and feel with the hand? They will fail you. And when you achieve them, tendency for many times. People say, look, that the problem with a number of people who have Christian testimony and they get to certain position is that more often than not, they fall from that position spiritually. Their level seems to cave in because they were not prepared beyond the physical to a relationship with God. May you, like Simeon, Retired or active, student or working, selling mango or selling anywhere. Look beyond what you can gain and what is immediate for now and look into the eternal. You will be sustained in God's visitation in the name of Jesus Christ. And a clear message from all this is Jude 21. Keep your life. Keep yourselves within the boundaries. Keep your lifestyle within the boundaries where God's love and mercy can reach you. That's the summary of them. That's the summary of prepare to meet with your God. Live every day. Keep your thoughts. Keep the activities you do. Keep the things that others may be doing and you say it doesn't matter. There are many it doesn't matter. gray areas. But as Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, they are not outright sin. They may be weights. And what does weight do? It means what? It weighs you down. It makes you heavy to run at the pace you ought to walk. It delays you. It puts you in lethargy. It makes you just say, look, nothing is too serious. If we are praying before, look, everything is around. Everything is around. Why do you need to pray? Sometimes we're organizing some form of crusade. And there was some partnership with people from overseas. And people spent time praying, let there be Nepa. You know Nepa means never expect power always, sometimes. We still use it as an acronym. Lord, let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Let it not fail. Let's have public uh, power system, public lighting system. And the people who came from outside the country didn't understand that prayer. How can you be asking God to let there be what? Light. They took it for granted because light never departed from where they came from, even for one second. If there was going to be any blackout anywhere, they will announce to you over the media several hours, sometimes days ahead, light will be taken and so so and so. So, for them, how could you spend reasonable time praying for light to come, for light not to go, for light to be there, so that things will work well? There's a certain period of your life, you think you achieve some measure of comfort, and you slack in prayer, and you slack in relationship with God. And you slack in your sense of alertness because you think you have arrived, because you think you have achieved. He said, no, that is where we make it wrong. Keep your lives, keep your heart, keep your mind within the boundaries where God's love will reach you. And we know about Hezekiah. The Bible said Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord. The Bible said Hezekiah was the one who cleared many of the idol places of worship in Israel. Hezekiah, up until some moment, had no negative record in his work with God. But Hezekiah was not prepared to go. Hezekiah maybe seemed to be enjoying the moment. Hezekiah seemed to be enjoying the things around. Hezekiah maybe 
the Bible didn't record it, was just comfortable with day-to-day basis. What can I achieve? What more? Full of ambitions, places to see do. Full of just now. And in Second Kings chapter 20, verse 1, the message from God came. Set your house in order because you are about to die. I wish God would be giving many of us that sign. But we don't have that privilege now. He will tell you, give you the announcement. Who wouldn't repent? But even Ezekiah at that moment was not ready. Ezekiah with all that the Bible had recorded of him. Activities, activities. He would have said, Lord, what else? It's been a life full of hassles, troubles. Let me come and rest. He would have thought he would have grabbed it with both hands. What did Ezekiah do? He pleaded for extra time. He got it. Fifteen years. But those fifteen years proved to be fifteen years of ending in shame. Ending in ignominy. Ending without a legacy lasting after, as it were. The Bible said, the third year of that extra fifteen years, he gave birth to who? Manasseh. And Manasseh did wickedly in Israel more than all the kings that had come before him. Because Simeon, when Ezekiah died, he started reigning at 12 years. So it was the full 15 years of Ezekiah's extra lifetime. And he reigned not for 2 years, not for 4, not for 10, not for 20. He reigned about the longest, longer than David, longer than Solomon. He reigned for 55 years of wickedness. Because somebody was not prepared to go to meet with his God. I pray that that is not you and I in the name of Jesus. I pray that our treasury will not be that. And in his last few years, he opened the treasury to Babylon. And God said, how could you have opened my treasury to those who did not know me? Exposing more of the house of God to foreigners. And that was see his undoing. Friends, our hour of visitation is such that we need to be ready every time and every hour. For God, not only to visit us and glory, but to make us finish strong in the name of Jesus Christ. Not to lower our God. Not to be people putting out of form. And that's why as we come to Amos chapter 4, we see God saying, I've sent so many signs to you. I've sent so many warnings to you. I've sent so many alerts to you. I've sent so many experiences to you. I sent so many events to you. I sent cleanness of feet. That's the only place in the scripture you will see that phrase. Cleanness of feet. And that phrase typically defines what it means. You know what cleanness of feet means? That your teeth haven't seen not even water. Talk of saliva. Cleanness. The teeth are so clean that no food has come their way. I sent famine. Horrible famine. I sent pestilences, I sent blastdews, I sent mildews, I sent drops. I caused it not to rain. He said, I kept getting your attention. And what was God doing? In that Amos chapter 4, he said it five good times. In five different verses. I said, I was trying to catch your attention. I was trying to make you not just depend on what you can do. What every other thing happens around you. Leave a relationship with me. Rebuild it. And in each of them, you will hear God say, Yet, you did not return to me. Yet, you did not return to me. Even when death that they could not account for came, 
Yet you did not return to me. Yet you did not return to me. And because the signs, you were materialistically imbued. That's what the cows of Bashan were there. You were playing religion. And they told God, we keep our sacrifices. Our tithes are regular. Thank God. If you look at the bulletin today, you will see what God has used your money to do. But that was not the first time. People in Amos time had done it. 760 BC, before Jesus came. They were already saying, God, our tithe is doing many things. And yet, with all that, the Bible said they were full of activities, but they were not right with God. They were not ready to reconcile and have a fellowship with Him and live a life plain that is of Him. And it says, prepare to meet your God. This time, it was in judgment. It was in punishment. And actually, Israel, 30 years after Amos prophesied, were taken into captivity. So God kept his word. He did with them. For us, he will keep his word, but not in anger, not in disobedience. Let it not be in judgment, but let it be in reward and blessing in the name of Jesus Christ. And so as we look at Matthew chapter 24, we see just a few of the things the scripture has said. We have said it severally as we began. We won't be tired of saying them so that our memory can be pricked. Our lethargy can be awakened. Our state of being just in nonchalancy, being asleep, can be roused up. Romans 13:11 says, Knowing the time, that it is high time to wake out of sleep. Spiritual sleep, not physical sleep. The Bible also uses sleep to define somebody who is dead physically, but particularly for those who just die on. But here he's saying it's high time to wake out of spiritual slumber, out of anyhow life, out of careless living. For now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. And now are the days of our life nearer. When we began January 1, it was two weeks ago, wasn't it? This year has already run two weeks fast. Today is January 15. And before you can say Ngozi Robinson, not Jack Robinson, you'll already reach the end of January. And time has already begun to go. He says, with that same way, be awakened, be alert, be sensitive, and remove all the works of darkness that are not in tune with the lifestyle of God. Put on Christ. Put on his identity. Be comfortable to be addressed as a Christian. First Corinthians 4 to say, let a man reckon with us as servants of Christ. If people don't know your name, if people have forgotten your status in office, if people don't know how much your pay packet is, if people don't know your address, if they can describe you in such a way that the person they are speaking to say, is it that Christian? Is it that servant of God? Is it that servant of Christ? He said it is enough. May that be your aim in preparing a lifetime that the Lord can visit with joy in the name of Jesus Christ. And so they asked Jesus, apart from daily meeting with us and the blessings, what are the signs of your coming? And Jesus said, they are obvious. I will let you know and tell you ahead of time. The devil comes to kill, to steal, to destroy. He gives you a silver spoon, but at the end of it is poison there. But I tell you everything ever before it has ever come to pass. And that's the difference that Jesus makes from any other religious founder. Jesus was the one who said, I will die. After three days, I will do what? I will rise up again 
and I will take up the keys of hell and Hades. And it happened as he said. One of the false prophets, D.D. Lawrence, I'm sure some of you have read about him, highly occultic, and for those who have been in that, said, look, that's the only distinguishing mark of Christianity, that Jesus died and rose again. I'm going to show that there is nothing. It's all concocted. It's fable. I'm going to die and I'm also going to rise again. And D.D. Lawrence died. And D.D. Lawrence, they put him in a coffin. And the third day, that coffin started staring. That coffin started moving. That coffin started making a lot of noise around. And for every other person, D.D. Lawrence was about to be proved right. And so Christianity would just have been told to be a fable concocted. And so if Jesus did it, it might have been by a magical power. Another magician cannot also do so. But from nowhere, thunder, lightning struck that coffin into pieces. And that was the end of that. Jesus still remains the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And when he says it, he means what he says will come to pass. So when they asked him, what are the signs talking about your coming? He ruled them out. And he says, you have heard about false Christ. You have heard about false prophets. You have heard about wars. You have heard about earthquakes. You have heard about pestilences. Matthew 24, 3 to 12. And going on yet there. It says false Christ, false prophets, false teachers. And we have had them in their numbers. I've just told you a few. And many of you may have heard of Maitreya, Eastern Kenya. Others may have heard of Nostradamus. Nostradamus has died. He said most of what he predicted happened to be true. And of course, you have some who are around us. I'm sure you have heard of Jesus of Oyimbo. Jesus of Obunike. Jesus of Uikotekbene. Jesus of... There are many around. And then, just around us here, you have heard about Olumbo Olumbo Obu. He says he's the king of kings. His son, Roland, is the lord of lords. So they're all around and within. So Jesus wasn't mincing words when he was saying they will come. And false teachers all around. And we hear altar versus altar. And say the greater the amount of your altar offering, the higher and the speedier God will answer your prayer. And so maybe if you are preaching, people will be stoning you with money and say, Ride on, ride on, brother. And then if you throw much more money, that altar will overcome the other altar. It's only the altar of money, the altar of mammon, and it doesn't make it. And people are using the name of God now for trade by butter. Sir, sowing. Sowing to what? Sowing your car. You will reap a higher one. Since when did God become a businessman that does trade by butter? And then they get them. And then all about God and spirituality is all on the physical. It's all on the material. It's all that appeals to this. And it doesn't matter how your life is. Of course, I'm sure you know about MMM. It was supposed to come back yesterday. I don't know if it has come back. But many of the Christians all got into it. I want to double my money. I want to triple my money. Since when did God become just an overnight money melinda like that? Even if you saw it was for making money. But when you see such things, you also become wary of them. So the wars have come in their numbers. They are without end. ISIS is there. Al-Qaeda is there. Al-Shabaab is there. The Fulani headsmen are there. Or do you think they are not wars that they wage on people? Nimbo is there. Agati is there. Kaduna, Southern Kaduna is there. And from one to the other, they are happening. The earthquakes, the typhoons, the heavy winds, the tropical storms. They even give them names now. Sometimes their names are more beautiful than those of human beings. 
Typhoon Katrina, Tropical Storm Andrew. They give them names. And they keep happening. And the Bible says that the seas will roar. That the sea will pick. The sun will darken. We have heard about the blue moon. You heard about the other day. And then the blood moon. And not only that, the element will melt. And now the sun is hotter. The weather is hotter. Climatic change is it. People pay billions now to host conferences and dollars to be able to hold conferences on climatic change. The earth is getting warmer. And while it's getting warmer, places are getting colder. In parts of the United States, people are dying because of extreme cold. Minus 20 degrees centigrade. Minus 26 degrees centigrade. And while they are getting so cold, they are having wildfires that are not able to be put out. Perplexed cities, the Bible says. Things that you can't understand. They are all in Matthew 24. Perplexed cities. Pestilences. Newer appearances of diseases and illnesses that were not there. We now hear that cholera is ravaging again and again. Polio that was said to have been eradicated has done what? Come up again. An outbreak of Lassa fever, somewhere again, Potaka, Nasarawa, we're told. So they keep going around in a cycle. Of the end of them, there will not be. These are signs of the end times. If bed flu is not manufacturing itself in a different name, then we are having newer strains of HIV. You thought we had contained HIV that people don't die readily because of the medications they take, even though there is still no cure. Newer strains are coming up again. Pestilences that you have no answer to medically. And so friends, it doesn't end there. Whether it's the earthquakes in Japan, they have also come to Nigeria, they've happened in Jaws, they've happened in Kaduna, or it is even to the extent that now we have the places that the rituals have lotion. He said, as it was in the days of Noah, in the days of Matt, in the days of Lot, people will buy and sell. People will be concerned with investment. That's where your MMM comes in. People will wonder, what does the stock market come to now? When they are all full of buying, selling, concerned with what they were concerned, he said, be careful that you are not taken unawares and be taken up by the cares of this life. And of course, what happened in the days of Lot? Sexual revolution, sexual perversion, gay people. Gay didn't start today. You remember it was there in Sodom when Lot was there. That was one of the main reasons for destroying it. So, they all just revived in a different name. Fashion says, look, we have shown everything there is to show. We have displayed all kinds of fashion. The only thing remaining for us to do now is to bear it all. Let us just show you as naked as you were made. That is the best fashion now. So does it surprise you how more and more dresses that come with fashion, the more of your body that they expose, that's the higher form of fashion. They are all playing with the events of the end times. And some of us will say, well, that is what my tailor suit for me. May your tailor not be undoing in the name of Jesus Christ. And then people are competing for whose corruption index is higher. Baby factories are there. They can sell babies now for one million, five million. And people who are professionals are involved. And people use it as business now. So, violence, wickedness. People are shot at moments notice. Kidnappers, ritualists. The Bible had already talked about them. And what about technology? We already have seen and known that 666 
It's not something that was a fairy tale. You now know that without, that's what Revelations 19, 13 to 16 did already say ahead of time. And say without this, there will be no buying or selling. And now you have chips, microchips. You have cards. You use them anywhere in the world and you can easily be located. I've told us about the laser experiment where they put in microchips at the forehead in London and set them on parole. And the people wanted to go beyond their boundary. And they said, we are watching you. If you go beyond the boundary, we will take you back to prison. That's verifying the Bible. If you look at Revelations 11, 7-9, where it talked about the two witnesses who will be killed after testifying for Jesus, and then they will be seen by the whole world in three and a half days. You will say, how can that happen? If you read that passage 20 years ago, before satellite, before cable TV came into being fully, you will wonder what fairy tale is there. Is that not possible now anymore? Any event happening here at the Polo Park or in this campus here or in the chapel, the whole world can get it being within five minutes of its happenstance. Is that not so? It's as simple as that now. So the scripture has had itself literally fulfilled. And in Matthew 24, 32, 33, Jesus said, when you see the fig tree blossoming, know that the hour is near. And the fig tree was a parable representing Israel. When the nation Israel comes to be in establishment again, by 1918, there was no land called Israel. They were scattered. It was only the land of Palestine that was known. There was nobody, no government, no community that could be called Israel as we have it right from the scripture. And they remained scattered right around the world until 1948, Balfour Declaration. There was a United Nations Declaration, let there be a state of Israel, 1948. And from then, Israel started collecting together again. Collecting. 1986. I still remember as a student reading it in the paper. There was an announcement. Every Jew in any part of the world who wanted to return back to Israel was free to do that, free of charge. Ethiopian Jews were elifted. Russian Jews were elifted, free of charge, back to the land Israel, ready for the last battle. And they have already had some rehearsals. Where nations around them have surrounded them. Six days war, seven days war, Yom Kippur war. And the nations around Israel surrounded them. And yet, miraculously, they survived and fell the plains there. He said, when you see the fig tree, when you see the nation Israel begin to get together again, know that it is near, right at the door. And Israel as a nation is formed. And just like we had last Sunday, the stage is set where there will be constant friction there. But if we are talking about that, what about the other technology? In Brussels, which is the capital of European Union, is a giant computer. And what is that computer dedicated to? Data. It said that virtually the data of every living human being is keyed in there. That's information we have. That giant computer doesn't contain one floor. It contains several floors. Several floors. The way you have floors of a building. A computer that will last beyond one floor, two, three, is already there. And as we are talking, 
And I'm sure some of you can verify what you are saying. There are people who have world visa now. Am I right? World visa. They are world citizens. They don't need visa of any country to enter. Nigeria, America, Russia, Canada. They have their world passports. Ask me who is the head of their government. I don't know. But that's all part of the fulfillment of the end times. And of course, you already know about your e-banking, e-commerce. And then privatizations are coming together. Conglomerates all to be controlled. What is all this telling you? The end of all things is at hand. And this same Jesus shall come again. The scripture has a description that we may go. The end will come either by a rapture for those who are in the law. And ready in him, First Corinthians 15, 51, 52 says, In a twinkle of an eye, at the trump of a trumpet, and we shall all be caught up with them in the air. Those who have died in Christ will rise first. And those of us who are alive will join them. First Thessalonians 4, 17, 18. That's rapture. That's being caught up in the air. And that is one way to go. Or, the Bible tells us in Matthew 24, the same Matthew 24, from verse 29 to 31, and says, After these things, it shall come to pass, that after these things there shall be great tribulation, and the sun will be darkened. And not only will the sun be darkened, but every other thing immediately after the tribulation of those days. Period of suffering. Period of not being able to buy or sell without having an ID given by the Antichrist. The sun will be darkened. The moon shall not give a light. The stars shall fall from heaven. And the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. They shall gather together his elect. They shall gather together his elect. Who are the elect? Those who have given their lives to Jesus Christ and have expressed and continue to express their faith actively in who? In Christ Jesus. If anybody has so done and begun to live carelessly as we say, he will not be among. He shall gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. Jesus ended that by saying. And so friends, the end is near. Jesus may come this year. He may also not come this year. But like those who have said, where are the signs of his coming? Second Peter chapter 3 verse 4. They are all here. And the only sign waiting to be completed and is fast being completed. TBN and other satellite views are reaching around the whole world. More than 190 countries with the gospel beamed and broadcast to them. People can, in the confines of their rooms, now hear the gospel. Not all yet. He said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all nations as a witness. And then shall the end come. What is your part? Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. And let others, because as Revelation told us, every kindred, every hamlet, every tribal dialect, will have a representation in heaven. That's God's large heart. 
May people around you also have that inheritance in the name of Jesus Christ. And what next do you do? Live a life that shows forth life meet for repentance. Clearly transparent life. As if there's no more time. Because you don't know when it will be. He said, be ready. Watch and pray. And let us no longer sleep. First Thessalonians 4. As those who are in the dark. Because we are not of the night. So we don't need to be unaware. That's why we have gone through this. And taken our time. And many more that we still have in detail. But you don't need 10 sermons. To get alert. To get ready. To read your life of all impurities. And things that have made your Christian witness a blur. And read them. And repent from them. Ibo says. Chegaria. Chegaria. Repent and return. And be ready. And when he comes, he says, I'm coming with my reward. And let he who is thirsty say, come Lord Jesus. Come soon. Come with expectation. Come because we know it will be a better time. Come because we know what you have said will happen. Have all literally happened. Come because we are ready. Come. Our lives are waiting. Washed garment ready and waiting for you. May that be our portion and our joy in the name of Jesus Christ. Shabuba has to pray. Prepare to meet your God. Have you repented? Have you truly turned from your way? Have you turned from your old way of life? Have you turned from living by yourself for yourself, everything determined by you? If you have not, Have you had a witness within you that you are a child of God? I didn't say that you go to church. I didn't ask that your name is in the register. Have you had a witness that you are a child of God? As clear as you know what your name is physically. If you don't, please, that is the point of repentance. God says the foundation of heaven, the foundation of righteousness... The foundation of my kingdom remains sure. The seal is certain. It cannot be chained or broken. The Lord knows them who are his own. Does God know you as his own? Does he have a record of your name? If you are not sure, please don't play church this year. People did it in Amos time. They offered sacrifices. They gave tithe. They joined in building churches. But they didn't secure the most important They were not sure their names were written in the book in heaven. Is your name written in the book in heaven? Father, mother, retiree, young person. Do you have a witness? Is your old life riding roughshod over you? Your flesh, what you desire. That's all that matters. Repent. And if that is you this morning, there is no need to be ashamed of it. The angels in heaven will rejoice. And if that is you, then tell Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord and my Savior. Have you repented before? Have you taken your life back? Have you repented a while ago? Are you living now asleep? Have you repented before? And you are not bringing forth a lifestyle that shows true repentance. You are still conformed to everything the world does. They have given you weight. You are now too dull to be sensitive. God cannot even visit with you in fellowship day by day. 
thoughtless of being ready for his coming. Won't you tell God, I'm returning to you. He said, I'm sending signs. I'm warning you. I'm giving you everything to know that I want to have fellowship with you. He has given you, oh man, what is good. Micah says, what does your God require from you? To walk humbly. To walk in spirit. To walk not of your own, but humbly with the Lord your God. Is that difficult to do? He said, repent and return. Return to me. And I will make you clean. And I will wash you. And I will regard you as my jewel. This is the moment to say, God, I want to live for you. I want to live for you every single day of my life. I want to live for you meaningfully this year. I want to live beyond the physical. Beyond the targets I can see with the eye. Beyond the things that are touched that can satisfy. I want to live for you. Please pray that prayer. As we all go to God in prayer. But as you, you haven't had any conviction before. That Jesus is in my life. That my sins are forgiven. And you have been in church for a long time. And you have known all the languages that the church speaks with. But you don't have the assurance within you that the Spirit of God is there. You can't play church anymore. Let there be a reality check in you. Ask Him, forgive me of my past. Come into my life. I repent from living on my own level and by my own self. And the Lord is ready to take you on. And take you this morning and give you a new beginning. A cleanness of heart. And that which is all within. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And mean it in your heart. You believe with your heart unto righteousness. You confess with your mouth. Out of the conviction of your heart and life. Unto salvation. And if you will call upon the name of the Lord. You will be saved. Repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus. Thank you. You love me. You paid the price. On the cross of Calvary. For my sins. I am a sinner. Lord, I come to you. I'm sorry for my past life. I repent of them. And Father, I ask you that by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross, you will come into my life. Wash away my sin. Cleanse me. And give me the power to be a child of God. Write my name the book of life and give me a witness that I belong to you from now onwards. Thank you in Jesus name. Lord as many as receive you to them you give power to be your children who are born not of flesh not of blood not by any human understanding but by that change you bring about that no man can explain but we see the evidence of it thereafter. Lord, may these lives be totally turned out to you in Jesus' name. May they not go back to their old lives before. May they have peace that confirms your presence in their lives. May the witness bear true that a change has come from inside that influences their outside living in the name of Jesus. And may they live for you the rest of the days of their lives, not scoured by age or pressure around them, but God living rightly and showing forth your presence in their lives in Jesus' name. Thank you for hearing us. In Jesus' name we pray. Father in heaven we pray that for as many of us who go, as I've asked of you, of areas in our lives in which impurity 
in which lifestyles, in which abhorrence, in which paths, in which habits, in which outright compromise, have dulled your presence, dulled our encounter with you, dulled our witness of you, closed our mouth to active witnesses, made us like the others around. Our light are dim and we cannot shine. Father, every single one of them this morning, by your grace, we lay them aside in the name of Jesus. Lord, we take with meekness the garment clothed with Christ, a garment of righteousness, and we return to you in spirit and in truth in the name of Jesus Christ. Make our lives to account for eternity. Make our lives to live in the light of eternity. Make our cares and our burdens, not just on the world, on what we achieve and our ambition, but God reorder and reprioritize our ambition, our focus, to set our affections on things on high and be guided of you to do work for you here on earth to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Put your hands together for Jesus. Mm-hmm.